0: Welcome to the City Place Church Podcast. My name is Josiah Williams, and here is my challenge for you. As you're listening to the message, I challenge you to remove as many distractions as possible, to write out a few notes and things that stand out to you, and afterwards, share what you've learned on one of your social media outlets. We level up by giving a level 10. Thanks again, and enjoy the message. Hey, City Place Church, Pastor Damon, and I am so excited that we get to spend Sunday service with you today. We are on location and we're taking service in a different place today. So I want you to literally move everything aside. Make sure you download today's message notes at cityplacechurch.com backslash notes. It's going to be a fun day. In fact, in just a few moments, Pastor Ty and I are going to pop on here and we're going to continue our series, Hello Ambition. Trust me, you are going to enjoy it. But hey, listen, download today's message note cityplacechurch.com, but also invite a friend, share today's message, and I also want to invite you to be a part of our Next Steps class. Well, look, I'm going to step aside, and I can't wait to see you in just a few moments right here at City Place Church, Church. Good morning, City Place Church. Pastor Damon here with Taisha. It's so good to be back.
1: I know. Welcome back, I'm Pastor. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Oh. Aren't you guys excited that Pastor Damon's back Come this week? On. Woo woo. And guess what? We've got a surprise for you cuz we're going to tag team.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know what you're thinking. How is it? How is it?
1: It's good. Well, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about hello ambition, and uh, we get a special treat today because Pastor Damon and I are going to be tag teaming part 3. Yeah. Are you excited?
0: And you can download today's message notes at cityplacechurch.com backslash notes. And do us a favor right now, share today's message. Come on, everybody, we're going to pause. Hopefully you shared in between that pause. Oh, did you like that?
1: In those few seconds, in those they just—they got in those it. All right, let's jump into the word because yes. God's got something good for us today. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the foundational groundwork of what it means to have ambition and what that means for our lives. We shared a couple of weeks ago, all the way back in week one, if we can remember, that the the definition of ambition is interesting because it's actually not found in God's word. Mm. So, as Christ believers and Christ followers, we have to be careful that we're falling in line with what God wants for us as it relates to ambition. The dictionary calls uh, it says this about ambition. It says having or showing a strong desire and determination to succeed. You know what it's like when you've got that natural drive, the push, the kind of thing, the fire within you that says it's time to go and achieve more. We hear words when it comes to ambition, things that are you know kind of synonyms or things that people will say. It's things like eager, zealous, ambitious, uh, innovative somebody's a go-getter, uh, somebody who's gonna show up and go get the job done, purposeful. But we don't often hear the words that actually are not what culture tells us because we don't live by culture as Christ followers. In fact, if we're not careful, we we take will take yeah. what culture's definition of ambition is versus God's definition of ambition. Yeah. And if we do that, we don't actually understand what it means as ambitious people what it's like to do things like wait yeah. and fast That's and good. get mentored and That's have good. seasons.
0: That's good. Let me, let me chime in really fast while you're talking about that because the feedback that you all have been giving me based on what you've been preaching has been pretty awesome because sometimes when you go into a series, you're like, God, will this resonate? God, is this something that is stirring in the heart of the people? And just the feedback from Pastor Ty, you've been talking about what I've been dealing with one of the things that I, I love when we were talking about, when you were just talking about the word uh, ambition was there's also that word hungry mm-hmm. that it just kind of goes along with it. And some of the things that I've been thinking about as we've been preparing is just like that own personal hunger that could sometimes bleed into ambition, which then it's hard to grab hold of ambition. So I'm excited about what we're going to lean on today because it's going to be good,
1: it's going to be good. Well, we're moving away from culture's definition as we talked about earlier, and we said we're kind of not, we're not looking at the world to define for us what it means to be great. We're not looking for the world to define for us what ambition even looks like or how that should you know, function in our lives. In fact, if we're not careful, as we said, we will mistake those God seasons for being unproductive. So we've been doing that over the last couple of weeks. Week one, we talked about Jesus going to the wilderness immediately after he was baptized. And we talked about what it means to journey with God through a wilderness season, knowing that there are some specific things and specific outcomes that he has for us on the other side of that. We said that Jesus showed us in that wilderness experience, three tests that he had to overcome, and it's the same test that you and I will have to overcome in our lives as we begin to put ambition in its correct spot. The first one was the test of exhaustion. We know that if we feel emotionally, spiritually, physically exhausted, we should go warning, 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 warning. Something is getting out of whack, and perhaps it's my personal ambition that's taking precedence over God's ambition for my life. The second thing that we talked about uh, was fruit shortage. Jesus walked up to the fig tree, and he was looking. He was hangry, and he looked up at the tree, and he was like, where's the fruit? what's the problem? And in fact, he said, forget you tree and cursed it. It withered on the spot because Jesus expects fruit. We are his covenant people. And we said that covenant things yield fruit. So we expect fruit. And if there's a shortage of the fruit of the spirit in our life, peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Self-control, we know, warning, warning, there's a fruit shortage, something is off. And the last thing we said in the first week was that if we have rush, if everything about our lives has no margin, if we're always moving from here to there, if we're like, God, you're late, this is a sign that something is off in our ambition. And that was week one, week one. Now rolling into week two, last week we laid the foundation of the calling to kingship. Yeah, we looked at the story of King Saul's anointing. And you know, so often we think about King David, we know him, he was established, but actually God called Saul as king first. And we talked about how you and I have two aspects of our lives. We have kingship and we have our priestly nature, both designed by God. Our kingship represents our natural lives, our everyday lives, and our ambitions, tactics and strategies. They fall in this category. These are the natural parts of us. They are not bad. God designed them. God, you know, orchestrated this and allowed his people, you and I, to have kings in our lives. But kings are called. And we said that everything that is anointed by God, that we are actually called even in our kingly things, in our everyday lives, in our everyday ambitions. It's so important that we don't separate God and our natural lives, that it is one and the same, and our job is to close that gap. That's so good. All right, you got the clip notes version so far. That's so good. Are you ready to dive in today? So I'm ready to dive into what God has for us today, part three. We're gonna be talking about how we've added all of these things, and so we've talked about how a, uh, ambition adds into our life. We've talked about kingship and, and doing our priestly nature. We've talked about the foundations of what it looks like wilderness. But today, we're gonna to be teaching from this phrase, less of, less of. Feels a little counterintuitive for us to begin to talk about less of something today. But the truth is, is that we're going to see today that when we have less of things, when we start to pare down, hone in, and focus, that there's actually more margin for God to do His great work.
0: That's good. Let's go. Can we pray? We can pray. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you that as we come around your word, God, I pray that we all lean in. God, I pray that we push aside distractions. God, that we push aside the pursuit of the next thing that we have to do today, and really just pause and allow you to speak to us. So Holy Spirit, do what only you can do, challenge us, change us, and grow us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: All right, let's kick off our time today, whip up your notes, and uh, let's get rolling. So there's something called exponential theory uh, that we actually wanna take a small pause. It's called Moore's Law in some cases, and it's this idea that uh, as over time, over the course of time, things happen gradually and then suddenly. You see this with things like technology where people will say, where the heck did they build like Apple computers in somebody's garage and nobody knows about it until suddenly everyone in the earth has an iPhone or an Apple product. Things happen gradually and then suddenly. And oftentimes you and I can borrow from some of the things that are happening in the natural, even in science, and today we're going to do just that because we're going to talk about this idea of exponential. There's this push, as we said just a few minutes ago, that we concentrate, that we do the things, that we concentrate our efforts, and so often as we're working, as we're being consistent, as we're doing things gradually, we feel like God's not actually doing the work. But today we're going to find out that even in the shadows, even in the process, even as we're making wise decisions and getting very clear when we're working gradually, there is a moment where God begins to breathe on our endeavors and what we're doing and our ambitions and our goals, and then things happen suddenly because we know that with God things happen in his time and in his way. Let's dive into the scripture today and see what God has for us. Amen. Go
0: go to with us to Leviticus chapter 25, Leviticus chapter 25 verse three get ready get your notes ready come on if you're ready say i'm ready actually type that in i'm ready don't forget to share today's message here's what the bible says in leviticus chapter 25 it says six years you shall sow your field and yield i'm sorry in six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its crop but during the seventh year the land shall have a sabbath rest a sabbath to the lord you shall not sow your field nor prune your vineyard. This morning we're talking about part three, hello ambition less of. You know, as I was reading this verse, a few things jumped out to me as we talk about biblical ambition. And I wrote this down. Biblical ambition is fueled by God's instruction and things in my care. So it's literally fueled by God's instruction not necessarily by just me focusing on my one thing, but God is literally fueling everything in my care. But watch this. I have to steward what I have over chase what I don't have. And so when I was reading uh, Leviticus chapter 25, verse three, several things stood out to me. And you and I were talking about this earlier. One is that he says, so in your field, Mm -hmm. like it's your field it's what god gives you like don't be looking over into someone else's field like their grass is greener he says no sow in your field and then he says prune your vineyard gather in your vineyard and then he says this but then the land shall experience sabbath
1: yep i love this concept of sowing and pruning because we don't like the concept let's just be honest can we have some real talk this morning we like to talk about sowing we certainly don't mind talking about harvesting but we don't like to talk about pruning too much. Mm -hmm. This scripture tells us in Leviticus that sowing, planting seeds, cultivating the seeds, working the land and pruning go hand in hand. This is God's system of showing us that actually as we're putting seed in the ground and as the first couple of things pop up, opportunities pop up, things pop up, relationships pop up, everything in our lives is, is not necessarily meant to grow and flourish. Some things we need to take the pruning shears to and we need to take a couple of adjustments to our lives. Sowing and pruning go hand in hand, but then it says in the last part of the Leviticus that there is a time and a season for Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest. I was thinking, and I'm no farmer, but I was thinking about when uh, there's things in the land, like crop rotations. What happens if you sow seed year after year after year after year, and you keep it in the same place? Any farmer will tell you that that's a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, the fruit that grows from that ground, it will rob all of the nutrients from that soil. Instead, what farmers will do is rotate. So they will take a crop and instead of planting it only in the same section, they'll rotate it to a different one or they will let the land rest. You see, the same system that happens in agriculture is the same system in God. He speaks to us sometimes and says, You think that as you're pulling back and making pruning decisions and letting your life rest and letting me breathe into you and give you life again Mm. as your dreams have come alive, as you, you try to take rest from doing all the things, as you take it out of your own hands and put it in my hands, you think that that rest is holding you back. But I'm here to tell you that the rest is here so that you can be more fruitful in the seasons that I've actually called you we, to.
0: We, we wrote it down as long-term sustainability.
1: Long-term.
0: Long-term sustainability. like The position and the season of rest is, I wrote this down, rested ambition equals biblical ambition. Like, God says, you're gonna work for six years. You're gonna refine for some years. You're gonna harvest and gather some of the amazing things in some years. And then what I want you to do is I want you to just have some biblical rest. See, there's rested ambition that is biblical ambition.
1: Yep, this is found in your notes. God's guide for long-term health is restraint. Not doing more, it's actually restraint. And so he calls us into these systems where when we hold back, when we actually don't live up to our everything, that we're actually honoring God with those seasons of rest and restraint.
0: How how many of you all say yes to everything? How many of y'all add stuff to your day or our goals list that God never really asked you to add? And then how many of y'all are pursuing those things that God never said are a part of your field? Are a part of your pruning, are a part of your harvest, which then takes away from your rest. See, sometimes we add things that God never designed and it zaps that rest period, which impacts our long term sustainability. And so we have to be careful as we're going after everything that God has for us.
1: That's right. So today we're going to be talking about less of. Yeah. We're going to leave that blank for us to fill in together. There are four points that we have in Scripture that we're going to dive in together. Babe, do you want to take us away to 2 Samuel? 2 Samuel chapter 14. Do you have your word? Do you have the real paper? Come on, Come on let's get some paper pages turning. I love the sound of Bible pages turning. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 14, beginning in verse 25. Let's read.
0: Let's read it. Absalom lived two years in Jerusalem without seeing the king's face, his dad, David, Then Absalom sent for Joab in order to send him to the king, but Joab refused to come in to him. So he sent a second time, but he refused to come. Then he said to his servants, "'Look, Joab's field is next to mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire.'" So Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab did go to Absalom's house And he said to him, why have your servants set my field on fire? Absalom said to Joab, look, I sent word to you. I called you, man, and said, come here so I can send you to the king, my dad, to ask, why have I come from Gershom? Gershom? And it would be better for me if I were still there. Now then, I want to see the king's face. And if I am guilty of anything, let him, my dad, the king, put me to death. So Joab went to the king and told him this. Then the king summoned Absalom, and he came in and bowed down with his face to the ground before the king, and he kissed his father, and his father kissed him. The context of 2 Samuel chapter 14 is David has had a number of children and one of his children commits a crime against his daughter. And David does nothing to address the issue. And while he is waiting for it to just kind of pass over, Absalom decides that he wants to take it into his own hands and gets rid of the problem and defends the family's turf. His father gets mad at him and then he's sent away and he finds himself isolated. And then when we get to Second Samuel, chapter 14, verse 25, he wants to get back in the good graces of his dad. But deep down on the inside of him, there is some secret ambition. And see, the challenge that we see here is that that ambition begins to rise because he wants to get back in his good father's graces. But yet the issue of his heart still hasn't been dealt with yet. And so he's looking over at Joab's field. And wanting to impact his field even though he has his own. And I was just thinking about the fact that Absalom couldn't deal with what he was dealing with. So he wanted to start dealing with something that wasn't his. So he goes and he asks for permission to see his dad. And the Bible says when he gets to his dad, His dad kisses him. But there's more to the story.
1: Yeah. So often I can relate to this pieces of this story because although I don't first of all, I don't know who said that the Bible is boring. I don't know what kind of soap opera you're watching because this is some mess right here. Okay, first of all, Absalom is the the king's son and is acting in such a way that he he says, you know what, I want to go. I want to see my dad and his dad is not having it, he's not coming to him, he's in a little time out, he's in a little adult time out. And so he's like, I wanna see my dad, and if my dad's not gonna come to me, then I'm gonna do some stuff, I'm gonna get his attention. Okay, so Absalom is, is acting a little crazy. Now, we can look at him and say, how dare he look, like, what, what kind of place, but I submit to you today, that there have been plenty of times yeah. that you and i have acted just like absalom let me yeah. break it down to you because i know you ain't setting nobody's house on fire okay i, I hope you're not setting nobody's Can house on you fire my mind? <laughs> this girl is no no nope. 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 no not I'm, today not yeah, today ahead, pastor <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. see this is what happens when pastor comes <laughs> back he has I'm been saying. gone for a while yeah. y'all yeah. he starts singing uh, R&B songs well, absalom is is taking matters into his own hands and how many times have you and i decided watch that God, our Father, is taking too long, that God, our Father, seems to be ignoring us. And it's important for us to, instead of waiting, instead of getting in our own uh, you know, time, in God's time, instead of being patient, that we do what Absalom did. And this brings us to our first point today, which is this idea and the spirit of hustle. Oftentimes, when our ambition is out of control. See, we know that Absalom is about to even have more things in his heart, which we'll see in just a moment we'll see that this isn't the first rodeo, and this isn't the first, this is a precursor to some ambition that's actually out of control. But what we see in this moment are early signs, early indications that Absalom is off. I say it like this, oftentimes when we're exemplifying our lack of control, when we're like, God, where are you? God, you're taking forever. God, you know what, I'm mad. I'm, I'm mad at you. I'm just not going to come to church anymore. I'm not going to do the things. I'm not going to read my Bible as if that hurts God and not us. That's oftentimes, you and I pitch these fits much like Absalom did, and what it shows us is an early condition of our heart. Mm. See, oftentimes when we're not patient, when we don't understand God's time, in and of itself, it's something that God can work with us on. But unchecked, unchecked, the spirit of hustle can grow into a wildfire. It can get absolutely out of control. Point number one, as we see that we need less in our lives, less of hustle. Yeah. We need less hustle, yeah. less push, less urgency to get to the destination in our own time.
0: And look at, look at we're talking about Absalom wanting to get a chance to see his dad, but look at what he risked trying to get to his dad. He cares less about joab who literally works for king david he cares less about david's he cares less about david's servant david's employee less about joab's family's land less about what they might need to eat from he literally is so ambitious he's so in the hustle mode to where he says the one around me matters very little but my stuff does Mm -hmm. he says go and burn his field not burn my field to get my dad's attention, to get J-O-A-B over here. He says, go and burn his field. So the hustle sometimes can cause us to overlook the value of someone else's crop, someone else's pruning, someone else's harvesting, and someone else's rest, because we're not valuing our harvest, our crop, our pruning, and our rest. And so this hustle mode sometimes gets us to the point where we devalue the one around us Because we're trying to get to the place and the thing that we've targeted, that's not a part of the journey and the timing of God
1: yet. That's right. How often have you snapped at the people who are around you, the people closest to you in your life because you're busy and you've overextended yourself and you've done too much and you've said yes to things that God never said yes to and you've crammed up in your schedule and you're in traffic and you can't even keep your peace? The problem with hustle is it bleeds on those around us. And much like Absalom, you don't set just your own stuff on fire. It's everything around you. You take it at the expense of other people. But this is not the end of what we're going to see of Absalom in just a moment. He is going to take some other liberties. So will you keep reading with us the yeah. book of Second Samuel, chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. We're going to go 1 through 6.
0: Yeah, we, we're going to keep rolling because unchecked hustle becomes something more. Like, let's watch. Second Samuel chapter 15, verse 1 says this. Now watch this. In the course of time, Absalom provided for himself. In the course of time, Absalom provided for himself with a chariot and horses and with 50 men to run ahead of him. He would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate going into where his father is. Whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed, before the king for a decision, Absalom would call, him, call out to him, What town are you from? He would answer, Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your claims are valid and proper, but there is no representation of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, If only I were appointed judge in the land, then anyone who has a complaint or case could come to me, and I would see that they get justice. And also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of him and kiss him. Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. So he stole the hearts of the people of Israel.
1: Lord have mercy. This man has grown in from one piece of audacity and it has just grown stuff on top of stuff. He's so ambitious that right now he has actually pretended that he's not the king's son any longer. He goes up into the courts and as people begin to make grievances, problems, issues that they're bringing to the king, he stops them not in the rightful place, not in the court, he doesn't even let them get to the court. He says, oh, what's your problem? Gosh, I wish there was a (laughs) judge if there were only a judge in Israel and And uh, look how convenient, here I am. And and, and can you see the imagery as he, you know, reaches out the hand and kisses the hand? He's getting used to and accustomed to being in positions of authority. He's getting used to the kissing of the hand like you would to a king. He's letting it stroke his ego. He's letting himself sit in positions that he has no business being in. How audacious, how ambitious. Let me ask you something. Real talk this morning, we said we would go there. How often have people around you lovingly, maliciously, whatever, pushed you ahead of your time? How often have friends around, go for it. You should, go, you should do it. You should put the online profile up. You should go for the job. You should move across the country. You should just do it. You just live one life. Culture will try to push us out of our time and out of our rhythm. Yeah,
0: I I, I wrote this down. I wrote, um, this phrase is, in the course of time, Absalom provided for himself. Meaning, if we go back to that verse in Leviticus, he literally used whatever season of life that he was supposed to be maximizing in his field. He's looking over at David's field. He tries to get back in David's good graces. And this whole time he's planning, He's acquiring, he's strategizing, and then he's literally voicing his ambition to those who are listening. He's literally echoing, if you had somebody who would be willing to listen, I'm the one. In the process of time when he's supposed to be resting, he's literally strategizing Mm -hmm. on the thing that he wants most, which is not his field. And the Bible says that he stole the hearts Of the people of Israel those people didn't belong to him I wrote this down why is the stealing why is he stealing the hearts of David's people why is stealing more attractive than working and sowing and the pruning and the resting of God in my field Hmm. why why would I be so ambitious and I've been there I've been there. I I had a desire to be in professional sports and I can remember how pride rose because it felt like it was taking forever to get to the first chair, which is where the head trainer sat. I can remember sitting like, how can I? Man, if, if such and such goes down, and he goes in the locker room, I get to sit in that seat. And I remember my boss always saying, Damon, in due time, you'll get there. Trust me. I'm not trying to stay in my seat in due time. You'll you'll, you'll get there But I was so antsy to try to get it because I could see what it looked like. It was so shiny And all they were saying to me was work your current field work and it. Absalom was so focused and He missed out on his own sewing his own pruning. He needed to be corrected. He missed it He needed to be changed. He needed to just have a moment to recover but instead of recovering He kept strategizing.
1: All right, are you ready for point number two? Yeah. Point number two that we need to be careful of. We saw it just now in the field. Absalom creates for himself what we would call a crossroads. Here's our point number two as you and I glean from him. We know that Absalom made some bad decisions, but let's just distill it down in language that we can understand and digest. Point number two is we have to deal with the issue of opportunity. opportunity. See, Absalom had no shortage of opportunity. He was the king's son. He was entitled to a bunch of stuff. And the issue was not open doors for Absalom. He wasn't just suffering over there like nobody sees me, nobody knows me, no opportunities. That wasn't Absalom's and issue. Absalom had the opposite issue that high achieving people, ambitious people often have also, even right here in 2021. Yep. His issue was not saying yes to opportunities or banging down doors to see who would want him. By association, he was welcome. The issue for the Absalom and the issue for you and I is the ability to say no. To say no, I'm not stepping into a place before my time. No, I'm not creating relationships that are sacred to my dad. No, I am not going to position myself and cheat out of the process of God. You see, you and I have to make some of the same decisions. Maybe you've looked as I have before, you were talking about head trainer. There are times where I would walk in as a 20 something out of college, look at the CEO of a multi-million dollar organization and say, I could do that better. If they just gave me a shot, I could whip this place into shape. Didn't have any idea of, of the burden or the weight or the political nature of things. So often, we put ourselves in this place and what we're doing is not saying yes, we can't say no what about the things that aren't even so bad? What about the things that just overrun and over, overshadow our lives? You talked about margin just a few moments ago. Things that are, are well-intentioned. They are blessings from the Lord. Sometimes these come in the form of hobbies. They come in the form of ac- uh, extracurricular activities. They come in the form of uh, various things that we add into our lives. And God says, this is for you. This is my blessing, my design to enrich your life, but not in the proportion you're trying to put it in. So sometimes we have to, like Absalom, come to the fork in the road and say, is this opportunity God or is this my nature? Is this me trying to fuel and throw open a door? So I put some things that we need to say no to a time or two. Sometimes we have to say, no, That job is not the right one for me. Just because we're offered a job doesn't mean it's the right, one. right job. Sometimes we have to say, no, that relationship is not God's best. It's good, but it's not his best for me. Sometimes I said, no, our hobbies have become a distraction. Maybe even things that we started, they're still not bad, but they've become out of proportion. We need to put some things in check. Sometimes we have to say, just because I have the ability to do it, doesn't mean that I'm called to it. Doesn't mean that I should do it. Even Jesus gave us the best example because he died on the cross. He was able to do anything. There is nothing for Jesus that actually limited him or bound him while he walked on the earth. He could have been the best carpenter we ever did, done see. Okay? Jesus could have done it all and then some. He could have walked the earth for many more years, many more decades, and had many more people come to him, but that was not God's design. He died, would you say that he died with less potential? I would say that he chose to get narrow in his focus, that he chose to get crystal clear, that he doubled down not on potential but purpose. That's
0: good. That's good. That's good. That what a great example of Jesus. What a great example for Jesus even when Jesus could have taken another route going back to week number 1. He didn't. Yeah. Jesus could have he could have gotten the quick straight line to all that the enemy offered, but he decided to go through the sowing season, he decided to go on through the pruning season, he decided to go through the harvest season and then he decided to go through the rest season. Like, Jesus is a great example of biblical ambition versus just a chase. There's, a, there's this photo, all right, check out this photo. Check out this photo. You and I were talking about this photo just as it relates to opportunity because it's not the perfect place That's right. when you see it, but these young people have turned it into an opportunity, right. and you. When you and I were talking about it, you had a perspective that was a little bit different from me yeah. because I was like, "Look at the smile of the kids, who saw an opportunity in the middle of what looked like wasteland." But then you had a perspective on the other side. I did. about the opportunities inside of it. I so believe check it
1: that these prevent us, bring us to a crossroads every time, and oftentimes there's there's this perspective where if we feed into it, it leads um, into some sticky situations. And for me, this picture represented the intended use. See, look at the little kids, uh, you know, riding down what looks like a slide, but when you do a little closer investigation, it looks like a piece of metal or even a mattress that they're riding on. I promise you that mattresses weren't designed to be ridden down like slides in the middle of a garbage dump. But here's where these kids are, and while they're happy, yes, the intended use of this item, of what they're sitting on, of what they're enjoying, frankly, is not it. You see, opportunities will always be around us. The issue is not the opportunities that you're faced with. The issue is not the thing. And we've just come out of a series that you you've helped enlighten us and open us called Dream Again. And for some of us, it opened us so much that we feel so filled that we're like, God, I have ministry inside of me. I have going back to school, I have these desires and dreams. And my prayer for you now and the whole reason for this series is that God would then give us clarity, That's right. give us focus, That's right. give us for what's for this yeah. season in this time.
0: We have to keep in our mind, though, we have to go back to Leviticus because it shows us literally, if we were to bounce off just a word phrase, in the process of time, there is that sowing, that pruning, which we hate. Then there's the harvesting. Harvesting seems glamorous, Mm. but if you've ever seen a farmer harvest without the technology, it's pulling and grabbing hold of what you sold for. And then it's the season of rest. Like all of that is inside of biblical ambition that we have to continue to maximize. And Jesus represents that well, but I got to show you a flip side in John the Baptist. Can we pull in John the Baptist? We, we got two more. can
1: do one. it. Let's, let's do Come this quickly. We're going to show you the other side of here the fork in the road. Let's do it.
0: John the Baptist. We're going to give you two and then we're going to let you go. John chapter 3, verse 25. You want me to read it? You want to read Yeah, go for it. Okay, John it says this. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan... The one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You can only use what God gave you. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah. That's not my field. That's not where I'm harvesting, but I am sent ahead of him. The bridge belongs to the bride. I'm sorry. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom awaits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. The joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. I wrote, I wrote this down. I had to because as they're jumping out. Like, so, so write this point down, write this point down. We want less drama. Hmm. We want less drama.
1: Amen All of
0: John's friends who are serving with John are literally trying to create some drama and comparison. Mm. That Jesus that you baptize on the other side, it looks like he's doing more than you on your side. And John literally has to go, I am not in the comparison game because if I get in the comparison game, I'm gonna become a little bit more ambitious. And he literally looks at him and says, hey, let me just squash the drama. We don't need the drama. He says, look, I am preparing the way for him, I am working my field. I wrote this down. Comparison is gas for personal ambition. Yeah. I don't know if you've been there. I've been there as a pastor. Oh man, they've got this, they've got that. I wish we had this and that. And what it does is it fuels this competition and this, well then I need to get another TV on the stage. I need to have more lights. We need to have more of this. And it's not the field that God asked us to sow in prune in, harvest in, and rest in. And John literally says, no more drama.
1: No more drama for your mama, that's right. So he comes to this crossroad and he's like, yo, 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 I, I'm not Jesus. I'm not trying to be Jesus. Don't stir up in me feelings that aren't there. Or even if they are there, I refuse to let you fuel them. John knew that his purpose was secure, that he was there. His whole intended purpose, he'd never, ever, ever wavered. I am here to be the precursor to Christ. And see, when other people were coming in saying, hey, Jesus is over here doing that, hey, he's over here, and and P.S., they're leaving you and they're going over to him, and he was like, good. Sometimes you and I don't look at them, don't look at them. Sometimes you and I have people in our lives that are drama creators, okay? Maybe they're with you now. Don't look, just keep looking, just look straight ahead. They're drama creators. But can I say something to you, church, City Place Church, this morning? Because it's time for us to rise up and be mature in God. Sometimes we are drama creators. See, we have a decision, just like John the Baptist had a decision, just like Absalom had a decision in order to look at this crossroad and say, will I fuel my ambition? Will I do with the things that I want to do? Or will I accept what Christ has for me? We see this in John because he doesn't, he passed this test and you and I will have the same opportunity to pass this test. Say no drama. I am not fueling a fire that is not there. Sometimes we have to eliminate the things that are the source of drama and sometimes we have to ourselves go, God, I have been a drama creator.
0: And that goes back to saying yes to everything. Sometimes we say yes to everybody. Sometimes we say yes to dramatic people that God didn't design to be a part of the field of our life. And so some of us might this week might need to look around us and see if the drama around us is happening from somebody else or if we're causing drama for somebody else, that's good. But John finishes, come on, one more and let's... You you, you throw this one out.
1: That's right, well, John the Baptist, we see him in the very last part of that passage. He says something so critical for us and we need not miss it. Uh, The verse said, he must become greater and I, must become less. Point number That's four, good. we need less of, you can put this in your notes, me. That's good. We need less of me. That's good. See, so often when we're talking about pruning, we talk about this idea, we've said it all day today, that pruning will actually give us the breeding ground to produce more fruitful harvests. Mm. In order to do that, we need less of some stuff. Mm. When I'm pruning my bushes outside, I gotta get rid of some leaves in order for some fruit to arise. Mm. And John said, I don't want you to get it twisted, and I don't want me to get it twisted. In order for Christ to do his thing, he's not gonna stuff himself mm-hmm. in my little box. He's not gonna force his way into space that I have not created. Instead, mm-hmm. I am choosing to empty myself so that Christ will come inside of me. He didn't just say, I'm gonna empty myself and I'm gonna be left destitute. He didn't say, I'm gonna left empty myself and too bad so sad. He said, less of me and more of Christ. See, the equation of less than means that as Christ believers, we leave space for God to come inside of us and fill us in the areas where we have gaps and weaknesses. We're not pretending this morning that ambition is easy. We're not saying that any of this makes us perfect, that this is something that just comes naturally, like brushing our teeth. We're saying this is an intentional act, you and I, to have less of ourselves so that we leave space and room for god to do his perfect work in us less of
0: me so as we close here's a question i want you to i want you to write this down it's on your it's on your notes and what areas do i or you need to decrease so christ can increase as you look at your field where god has called you to sow god has called you to prune god has called you to Grab the harvest and God has called you to rest. What areas are you to decrease so that Christ can increase? Less of, less drama, less hustle, less of the opportunities trying to be found by me. Less of me, that's the question.
1: That's good. Well, this morning City Place, we wanna pray for you. I know that there's so many of you that would say, Pastor uh, Damon and Ty, I'm ready to respond. I know God is working in me, and we know that's why this message is here for all of us today, is to take action into what God would have us be, less of me and more of him. And so while you're creating that, you're putting that on your notes, you're having some time of reflection, specific areas where God would say, Mm-mm, your proportions are off. And P.S., it's a win win proposition when you take this in the God's way. So often we think about this being a deficit for us, but the truth is when we have more of Jesus, it's a win-win proposition. I want to pray for you City places. we close our time today. I want to pray that if you would say that you're in that first group of people, there's just areas that God is just dealing with with me. And I believe that's the majority for us connecting today. God is just dealing with me in an area where I need to decrease something so that I can have more of him, where I can decrease myself and add faith in its place, that I can plug it up in faith. I'm going to, I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you that you would be responsive and that that would be crystal clear for you today, what God would have you decrease so that he can fill up. There is a second group of people that I would love to pray for this morning, and I know that you are also here, and perhaps you're even in the first group as well, and that's okay. This group of person, you would say, yes, Pastor Damon, Pastor Ty, I hear you. I know in my life, truly, I just need more of Jesus. Maybe you've never made the public declaration that Jesus can be the center of your life, that he's your God, that he's your savior, that he's the one who actually died for you personally. If you've never made that declaration, or maybe you've done it a long time ago, but you've walked away from that, this morning I'm gonna pray for you as well, that you would make the bold, strong decision to follow Jesus today, that you would give less of yourself so that you can have more of Jesus.
0: Amen, come on, are you ready? Let's pray. Do you wanna pray for the first group and not pray for the
1: second? Yeah. If you find that that's you, right where you are, will you just lift up your hands into your own surrender between you and God, right where you are, just lift up your hands and say, there's an area of my life that I need to decrease so that Christ can come inside of me, that the proportions are off. If that's you, lift up your hands. Father, I thank you for those this morning that have responded. It's most of us watching this morning. You're making it clear to us, God, how you want us to react and how you want us to move to action in this area. God, we thank you for making it clear, the area that you would have us decrease. God, will you give us the boldness as we make some pruning decisions in our lives? Would you help us as we cut out some relationships that are no longer for us, that are no longer glorifying you? Would you help us make strong and bold decisions in our life for where we decrease? And we accept you, God, in the areas for you to come in where we have made space God, that you would overtake us with your goodness in Jesus'
0: name. For those of you who says yes to Jesus today, I just wanna pray a simple prayer and I want you to pray it after us. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again, he comes in as Lord of your life. Are you ready? Come on, just say this after me. Say, Dear Jesus, today, I acknowledge that you died for me and you rose again. And on this day, I choose you freely as my Lord and savior. I wanna be zealous and hungry for you. I want to work the things that you've given me, not desiring things that distract. Today I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on City Place, can you make some noise for the decision that everyone made today? Right where you are, can you celebrate Jesus today? Come on, make some noise for Jesus. (laughs) Listen, here's just a couple of quick next steps. Would you please complete a cityplacechurch.com backslash card, connection card. We would love to just say thank you for hanging out with us today, but also give you some next steps on the decision that you made to follow Jesus. Trust me, it is the most important decision you would ever make. And then our team wants to invite you uh, into community and into life. We have Next Steps class happening after our services And we would love for you to be a part of one of them that's taking place next Sunday. You can find all that information online. So well done on the decision that you made to follow Jesus. Yes,
1: it says that heaven's throwing a party on your behalf. So we're super excited. Listen, family, is the last thing that we do together is we honor the Lord with our giving. We believe that God is a generous God and that he calls us to be generous People, I've been so excited, so enthused, so awed to see your faithfulness, because here's the thing, we know that as you're sowing and you're giving, we're doing that out of faith. We know that God in his goodness is taking that seed, breathing on it, and returning back to us a harvest. It's crazy.
0: Amen. And so I also was feeling this week though, that there is some of you that need to step out in faith and begin to tithe. I've really been praying for you. Um, and sometimes it can seem like an act of faith to do it, mm. and, it is. and it is it is trusting God that literally everything that he gave you as you work the field of your life you give it back to him so that you can see more you and I are literally funnels for the kingdom of God when we partner together through our tithes and our offering, which is above our tithing offering, literally, we're able to impact the kingdom of God. And so I'm gonna ask you boldly to trust God, Yep. literally trust God. Our responsibility as pastors is literally to present an opportunity for us to experience the fullness of who God is. And for some of you, that means a breakthrough in trusting God in your kingdom finances. So the information is on the screen today. And here's what I want you to do. I want everyone watching today. I want you to literally, come on, everybody. I don't, I don't, I don't have it in front of me. My, I'm looking for my phone. I don't have my phone. But I want you to grab whatever device you want to give on. And this is what I want you to do. Before you give this morning, I want you to say, Father, mm-hmm. what would you have me do?
1: Good.
0: I am trusting you with your kingdom resources that you've entrusted me with. And then let's let God do the rest, because I promise you that as we trust God with his kingdom resources and place them back in his hand, he will empower you with more resources to impact his kingdom. And so let's pray. And then we can't wait to hang out with you right back here next Sunday at City Place Church. Father, we love you today. We thank you that as we tithe and give God, we honor you today. And so, Father, I just pray, what would you have? Those watching, what would you have them do and what would you have us do today to see your kingdom advance? We trust you with our tithes. We trust you with our offering because it brings you glory. And at the end of the day, it all belongs to you. So we honor you with that today. Thank you for the impact that our church is able to make, but also God, thank you for positioning City Place to walk into our own facility as we prepare your kingdom finances for that moment. We honor you today. Thank you for lives being changed. We give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great week. Bye, everybody.
1: We We love
0: love you. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's episode, and we have one final challenge for you. Take something that you've learned today or something that stuck out to you and share it with a friend or a loved one. Spread a little of what I like to call that wisdom wealth with someone else. Wherever you are, I hope that you have an incredible rest of your day.